begin tonight's broadcast by wishing my wife a, a happy 35th anniversary once again. Uh, for 35 years now, she's been with me, been beside me, putting up with me, uh, tolerating me, loving me, correcting me, chastising me. <laughs> she's been my motivating force. I truly thank God for her, and we're getting better at this marriage thing. And as I've said to you before, marriage is a full-time job, but it is a labor of love. And I love laboring to love my wife. So I want to say God bless you, honey. And I'm looking forward to another 35 years. Uh, we did put out a number for you to give us a call on tonight. Uh, in honor of our anniversary, I'm calling this the anniversary episode. If you got a question, give us a call, 757 624 9475. Call in with that question. We'll see if we can give you a hand there. 757-624-9475. And while we're waiting on a call, I do want to talk to you tonight about something that's really special to me. I want to talk to you about the five principles of what I've come up with to be five guiding principles for marriage. And actually, these five principles will work in any relationship but I want to talk about these five principles specifically uh, regarding marriage on tonight. And the reason I've come up with these five principles for marriage is that if you don't make a plan for your marriage, if you don't have a uh, strategy for success in your marriage, then your marriage will probably be one of the 50% that fail. You know upwards of 50% of marriages do fail. That's Christian and non-Christian marriages. If you don't come up with a plan, if you don't have a strategy, if you don't invoke some form to your marriage, some fashion to your marriage, then your marriage very likely will fail. Wise man said, if you aim for nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit. But if you aim for the sun, and even if you miss the sun, at least you'll be moon and stars above the rest. <clears throat> so aim for something. Set a strategy out there. Uh, 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 get you some help. And I always encourage every married couple to have themselves a mentoring couple. You know, it's commonplace for you to be on a job uh, and have a mentor for that job so that you can excel. It's commonplace to have a mentor mm -hmm. in every other endeavor that you engage in in life. So guess what? It's not going to be any different from marriage. You want to go as high as you can. You want to reach the potential of your marriage. You want to have long-lasting, fulfilling love. Get you a mentoring couple. Whatever you do, you're going to have to have a strategy for your marriage. You can't just go into marriage and say, now we're married, let's do it. Well, you're going to have to have an idea of what to do. Because believe me, if you don't have an idea of what to do, if you don't have a strategy and a plan for difficult times in your marriage, those difficult times are going to sink you. They're going to devastate and destroy you. But when you invoke principles for your marriage, when you imply or, or, or enlist guiding principles for your marriage, when you have a plan for your marriage, then the difficult times don't take as much of a toll on you. All right? So let me give you my five guiding principles for marriage. I'll give them all to you, and then as we have time, I'll discuss them individually. 
My five guiding principles are number one, God's kingdom and righteousness is the chief goal. Your chief goal must be God's kingdom and his righteousness. Number two, love and grace must rule. Love and grace must rule. Number three, pursuit of self-awareness and growth is imperative. Pursuit of self-awareness and growth is imperative. Number four, marriage is glorious as a result of sacrificial love, work, and commitment. If you want your marriage to be all that it can be, you better believe you're going to have to have some sacrificial love, sacrificial work, dedicated work, and commitment. And the fifth and final guiding principle for marriage, I get my needs met by serving my spouse. Actually, I get my needs met by meeting the needs of my spouse. Again, this is our anniversary of episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You got a question? Give us a call. I want to hear from somebody tonight. Or if you just want to wish my wife and I a happy anniversary, give us a call, 757-624-9475. Well, let's look at these guiding principles one at a time, if you will. First of all, and first in any endeavor in life, especially for the believer, God's kingdom and his righteousness are the chief goal. You know, there's no ambiguity about this statement here, and, and, and there's a reason that it ranks first. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you seek to please God, if you seek to be right with God in everything, if you seek to be right with God in your marriage, then you can be right with your husband or your spouse or your wife. If you're not right with God, then you can expect not to be right with your husband or your wife. You know, so the new the King James version says, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." But I also appreciate how the Message Bible says it. The Message Bible says, "Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met." You know, don't worry about missing out on other people who you thought you were going to marry. Don't worry about missing out on hanging out with the friends, going out, etc., etc., etc. You know how you feel, and you know how you think. But if you seek to be right with God above everything else, above all else, you will be right with your spouse. Now, as a guiding principle, this means that all we do, and how we do it, including being married, should reflect our desire to please God the Father, to be right with Him, and to see His will done, even at the expense of our own desires. This principle means that there is always something bigger at stake than ourselves. You know, every now and then I still hear the cliche, what would Jesus do? But if you're really seeking first the kingdom of God, then this principle means we move from asking what Jesus would do to actually pursuing Jesus' likeness in our lives and our relationships. If you're pursuing being like Jesus in your marriage, how can your marriage not work? When God's kingdom is our first priority, 
Our personal agendas will take a back seat. Let me say that again. When God's kingdom is our first priority, when being right with God is our number one priority, our own personal agendas will take a back seat. God's mandate is that we be holy, and that means to imitate his loving character in the earth, and that includes in our marriage. Be holy in our marriages. When holiness is our highest aim, love and service to our spouses will assume a higher calling in our lives. So that's our first guiding principle for marriage. In all that you do, God's kingdom and his righteousness must be the chief goal. Second guiding principle for marriage. Pursuit of self-awareness and growth is imperative. Pursuit of self-awareness and growth is imperative. By self-awareness, I mean the wherewithal to recognize, to identify, and to own your own feelings and motives. Self-awareness. Do you even know what motivates you? Do you know why you feel what you feel? Are you able not to point the finger at others? for your negative feelings and your negative experiences? Are you able to point the finger at yourself and take responsibility for the way that you think, the way that you talk, the way that you conduct yourself? That's what self-awareness is all about, the wherewithal to recognize and to identify your own feelings, your own motives. Self-awareness awakens us to the fact that we need to take responsibility for our actions and their impact on others, not just ourselves. Yes, yeah, self-awareness means that I, I understand how my actions impact not only myself, but how they impact my wife. Do you understand how your conduct impacts your spouse, your mate? You know, we all grew up and moved away from home, but hardly any of us any of us left our families of origin without some degree of emotional damage. And you heard me say that in last week's broadcast. We had families of origin, and most of us left those families of origin with some degree of emotional damage. In some folks, damage may be a strong word, and I don't necessarily mean that everyone is mentally ill. I, I just use the word damage to capture any emotional weak spot emotional blind spots that impacts our thinking and our feeling. This damage usually shows up when our needs are not met. And it's those unexpected anger outbursts, the, the, the avoiding problems, the acting out, and all the other defense mechanisms we use to reduce our, our anxiety and our stress. That's a result of the damage. This emotional damage causes us to blame others for our shortcomings. And too often, this emotional damage causes us to expect our spouses to perform in some way to please us. This emotional damage helps us and causes us and motivates us to set up false expectations, expectations that cannot be met. And so many of our problems are the result of unmet expectations, but we set those expectations based on a false reading of our own needs. 
So there's some things that are pushing us, some unconscious feelings and thoughts, some things that have been with us some long time, some hurts, some, some, some past experiences. They've been with us for a long time and they push us to form expectations that never will be met. And when those expectations are not met, we blame others. Wow, I wish I had time to stay on this. We blame others for it. But growing in self-awareness allows us to understand how to accept our spouses for who they are because we have accepted ourselves. Growing in self-awareness means I, I've learned and I understand what makes me tick. I've learned and I understand what motivates me. I've learned and I understand some things that used to be subconscious. They were, they were dormant in my subconscious. They've come to the surface now. I've learned and I understand that some of my anger outbursts, some of my emotional problems, some of my uh, acting out, some of my avoidance issues, some of the ways that I am, some of my conduct, some of my behavior, that's the result of some stuff that I've been feeling for a long time. I just wasn't aware of it. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to voice it. Can you believe that sometimes we lash out at each other and we're really not angry at our mate, but we just don't know how to say I'm hurting. And we don't know how to say I'm hurting because we really don't understand the area that we're hurting in. Oh, I hope I'm making sense tonight. But self-awareness, growing in self-awareness means that we'll learn to cease our attempts to change our spouses into people who meet our needs and we can begin experiencing the joy of serving each other. A lack of self-awareness causes us to fear being the person our spouses need us to be. Wow, that is awesome. That, that is awesome there. I, I, I'm going to say that again, but, you know, I, I just want to pause right here and, and say once again that you're listening to us on Marriage and Family Clinic tonight. This is our anniversary episode. My wife and I, we're celebrating our 35th anniversary on yesterday. You know what? I think I'll celebrate all this week. I think I'll just celebrate all this week. And we're so glad to have you join us here. Our mission here at Marriage and Family Clinic is to restore, to rebuild, strengthen, and perfect marriage and family relationships. As always, you can join us right here every Tuesday evening from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Let me hear from you, please. You can email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com or you can inbox me on Facebook. Look for Bishop Carl Hodges. We want to hear from you. Let us know that we're doing some good or let us know that we're not doing some good. Whatever the case may be, however we're affecting or impacting you, just let us know it if you would. All right. A lack of self-awareness. Back on this issue of self-awareness. That causes us to fear being the person our spouses need us to be. You know, we can get so busy striving and struggling and wrestling to have our needs met that we miss the importance of meeting our spouse's needs. And when we lack self-awareness, when we just don't know, we're not in touch with ourselves, we can really grow to fear and become fearful of becoming the person that our spouses need us to be. Simply because we fear we won't get our fair share of love and have our needs met. 
You know, that's what so much of our problems in marriage and other relationships are about. You may not have known it. You may not realize it. This may sound brand new to you. But the issue is a fear of having not enough love. A fear that there's not enough love to go around. And by the time it comes my turn, we'll be out of love. So we struggle with each other trying to make sure that there is enough love. And this is why you cannot be knowing that Jesus loves you. And you know, one of the most important, one of the most popular songs we ever learned growing up in church is, Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. The lack of self-awareness, that's a major hindrance to nurturing and deepening and enjoying a fulfilling love in your marriage. If love and marriage are to be fulfilling and rewarding, then husbands and wives, each person must spend quality time and energy in hot pursuit of self-awareness and personal growth. Self-awareness and personal growth enlighten us and opens our eyes to see our spouse's needs and it paves the way to grow together. Knowing myself enables me to know and accept and appreciate my wife better. Let's move on to our third guiding principle for marriage here. The third guiding principle is love and grace must rule. You know about grace, unmerited favor. Grace is all about God doing for us in spite of what we deserve. Grace is not concerned about the word deserve. And I'm not of the school that looks at a desperate situation and, and, and says that as long as we have love, everything will be all right. I'm a realist now. Love won't pay the bills. Love won't heat a cold house. Love won't cool a hot house. Yet there is no way to, to survive a desperate situation without love. Love and grace flow together because they sum up God's nature and his attitude towards us. And love always pursues what's best for the object of the love. Love always goes after. Love is always looking to achieve what's best for the loved. And grace always does favors for the loved in spite of the loved. The love doesn't have to be good enough to earn grace. The love doesn't have to be good enough, doesn't have to perform well enough to earn the good favor of a husband or a wife. Grace says, I love you and I will do for you and I will serve you just because that's what love does. Love and grace are constant reminders to be ready to reach out and to forgive at all times. And I'll tell you right now, if you're going to have fulfilling love in your marriage, if you're going to have a fulfilled marriage, if your marriage is going to be what you dreamed of it being, not this Hollywood stuff, not this stuff you see on TV and the movies, not that fake stuff, but if your love is going to be real, you better pack up a whole heap of forgiveness. I hope that didn't sound too country. But you better pack up a whole lot of forgiveness. You may need it every day. You're going to need forgiveness. Because love is going to call on you 
to forgive, to sacrifice, to meet needs, whether or not your needs are met, to meet needs while you're waiting on your needs to be met. You're going to need a whole lot of forgiveness. And while we're on the topic of forgiveness, let me say this also, that there is nothing that cannot be forgiven. Wow. There is nothing that cannot be forgiven. A lot of times I hear people say that if my husband or if my wife ever cheat on me, I'm going to leave them. And I believe that we can say this to ourselves so often, we can repeat it so often, we can put meaning in it for so long, that by the time, if God forbid, something like that ever happens, we've said it so long, we've put so much energy and so much feeling and emotion into that, and we really meant it, that now we almost can't imagine doing anything but leaving them if they cheat on us. But I'm here to tell you that there is nothing that cannot be forgiven. And some people ask the question, well, can, can you forgive and forget? Do you forgive and forget? Well, quite honestly, you may not forget. If you've been hurt badly, you may not forget it. But you can definitely forgive it. But I still remember and it hurts. Well, the more you love and the more you forgive, the more you work forgiveness in your mind and work the forgiveness in your heart, the less it's going to hurt. But I still remember it. Well, here's the key to your hurtful memories. You got to make some new memories. You got to make some new memories. You got to jump in there and you got to begin somewhere to make new memories memories because that's what grace does grace continues to reach out in forgiveness not because your husband or your wife deserves you reaching out but because your guiding principle for your marriage is that love and grace rule and love always loves I oftentimes say that love loves because love loves to love that's the nature of love. I hope you can tell by what I'm saying this evening that marriage is a full-time job. Albeit it's a labor of love, but it's a full-time job nonetheless. Love and grace must rule. You know what that means? That means that each spouse is always ready to sacrifice their own good in order to serve and meet the other spouse's needs. Wow, each spouse is always standing at the ready, standing at the ready to sacrifice their own good, sacrifice their own ambition, sacrifice their own agenda in order to serve and meet the other spouse's needs. Love and grace must rule. That means that serving each other is not based on what the other deserves. I can't stress that enough. We have to get rid of this idea of you don't deserve it. That's not love. Love loves because it's the nature of love. And you know, I believe this is the reason that when you stand at the altar and say, I do, you don't understand love yet. You think you know what love is. 
And I found out what, what it means to say I love you more now than I did when we first got married. We've been through some things down through the years. We've hurt one another. We've inflicted pain. We've been through pain. We've been tough times together. We've been through so much together, but I still love you. I love you more now than I did when we first got married. Yeah, we have to get rid of this idea or of I won't do for you because you don't deserve it. Or I will do for you because you do deserve it. If love and grace are going to rule, you're going to have to dismiss the word deserve from your vocabulary. You can't use that word. Remember how much God loves us. Remember how amazing His grace truly is. The hymnist said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Not a one of us can come up with one good reason why we deserve to be loved by God. And yet He loves us, not because of us, but in spite of us. Yes, if love and grace are going to rule, you've got to eliminate the word, the thought of deserving. Husbands and wives do not count wrongs. Husbands and wives don't work on paybacks. We don't sing James Brown song, the big payback, when it comes to husbands loving wives and wives loving husbands. Go back and read 1 Corinthians 13 chapter again and see exactly what love is. And if you're not working 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, right there in your home, in your marriage, then you cannot work it anywhere else. How dare we go out of our homes, leave our homes, and try to work the scriptures everywhere but in our homes? If the scripture is not working in your home, it's not working anywhere. And the scripture doesn't work for you any greater or any better than how it works in your home. Love and grace must rule. We don't count wrongs. We don't save up wrongs and at the right moment we pay our spouses back. We don't live by the adage an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. We don't live that way. Rather, we always stand ready to receive the other because we have worked on putting ourselves in the other's shoes. Hmm. And that's what unmerited favor is all about. You married a husband, you married a wife, you stood at the altar, you took a vow that said for better or for worse, in sickness or in health, then guess what? Sometimes worse is coming. Sometimes sickness is coming. And that's not the time to give up. Pain is coming. Because we inflict it on each other. Sometimes, oftentimes, we don't even mean to. We don't even mean to. But put these principles together. I don't have time tonight to go over all five principles. But put these principles together. Understand that my first goal is to be right with God in all things. My second goal is to know and understand myself. I have to grow personally. It's imperative. And my third guiding principle, love and grace must rule. When we put all of those together, we have what I call guiding principles for marriage. 
And again, I'm trying to give you a strategy for marriage. I want to give you a strategy to experience and grow in fulfilling love. And those of you who have not reached 35 years of marriage, I'm telling you to hang on, keep on going. It gets better. And those of you who've been married longer than 35 years, my wife and I, we join together and we agree we're on your coattails. We're following close behind you. We're going to make it up. We're going to catch up with you. All right? Hey, listen, I'm out of time tonight, but I do appreciate you joining us here on Marriage and Family Clinic uh, here at WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. Remember, we're here every Tuesday, 6 to 6.30 p.m. Tune in with us and let me hear from you. Send me an email, cdhodges at hotmail.com or inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. You can find us there. We're so glad you joined us. We pray God's peace on you. But remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. We'll see you. Whoa, right on. Mm-hmm. Oh.